we'll get started this morning, Romans chapter 15, and uh, we'll get into uh, this, uh, the, the next little section here as we bring the book to a conclusion, and again, Romans here is that wonderful foundational book in our uh, understanding, in our edification, and Paul is uh, bringing the book to a conclusion and uh, he, it's an interesting thing, verse 33, now the God of peace be with you all, amen, so you think it's done, then 16.1, I commend unto you Phoebe, and he goes on and on and on, verse 27, then he says, to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever, amen, I think I'm done, <laughs> you know, but as he's bringing the book to a conclusion, he's doing some things here, and he's uh, making some uh, critical uh, observations. He's putting in some critical information that I don't want to just skip over, read, and say, there we go, off we go, and so forth. I, I want us to understand what Paul's doing, why he's doing what he's doing. And uh, uh, again, just this information is critically important, vitally important. And as we look at it here, um, we're, we'll, we'll spend the next year going through it. I hope not, <laughs> but we might. It's okay. I don't know where, where else you'd want to be, but here with me. See, see, there you go. See, look at that. <laughs> okay. Uh, verse 14, And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the, same, the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sacri uh, sanctified, sacrificed, yeah, there you go, kill them, sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Iliacrum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so, I have, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon, any other, upon another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand, for which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But now, having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, and off he goes. Now, the, my goal today was to get down through verse 22. Ain't happening. Okay, I'm just going to tell you that right now. Hopefully, we'll get through verse 14 and 15, because there's a lot of information here, and there's something that Paul is going to do here that's vital. It's critical that we understand and that we see that he is going to, in closing the book here, and when we get down into chapter 16, I'll show you the link into why 1 Corinthians comes next. Well, there's, a, there's a doctrinal edification link, but there's also a link within the epistles uh, and so forth, and we'll, we'll see that. But as he's bringing his ministry to a conclusion, Paul is going to begin to talk about his unique apostleship. Paul's going to describe the present ministry that God has going on, Verses, verse 8. Look at verse 8. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the Father. So, again, the New Bibles butcher that verse because they want to make us follow what Jesus did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So they change the was to is or has become. They mess that up. So, no, was, past tense. And Paul's going to do now, he's going to say now, look, Today, in the age of grace, God is doing something here, verse 16, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. 
ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. So what Paul's going to do here, and, and he's going to describe the... He, he's making a deliberate statement, a deliberate distinction here between the present ministry that is in operation and message versus the past ministry in Scripture, okay? So if we draw the Road to Damascus event, Acts 9, as the divide line, okay? That's where Saul of Tarsus, i.e. Paul, meets the Lord on the road and he, and he goes through that. That's the dividing line. So Paul's going to make some bold statements here about, hey, back here, this was the deal. Over here, we're doing this now. So this, so the, the rest of this chapter, verse 14 to 33 Paul is, he's doing nothing but defending himself, his apostleship. So then the question is, is, well, why does he do that? Why here in the foundational book, chapter 1, we've already dealt with him, being called and separated out and all that. Why does he here now do this as well? Okay? So that's really what we're after this morning to understand the why. Because usually what happens is, is when you read this or you talk about Paul being our apostle today, you get this, well, he's just an egocentrical, he's an egotistical man. He's just self-centered, he's just self-absorbed, because Paul will say what? My gospel. If, if you look over in chapter 16, verse 25, he'll say, Now to the power that is of uh, now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. And see, look, it's not it's God's gospel. No, it's what? It's the gospel given to Paul. It was given to him versus what? Versus the gospel given to the twelve? Versus the gospel given the gospel given to Noah. You know what the good news given to Noah was? Build the boat, dude. Judgment's coming. That's the good news. You know what the good news to Abraham was? I'm gonna have a seed line and it's coming through you. And by the way, it's gonna be Isaac, not Ishmael. Uh, what great news that is. So the gospel in scripture doesn't always have it is Actually, it's not always Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. You go into the Gospels, Luke 18, the Lord begins to tell them that. They deny it. They say, not so, Lord. Push back against him. They don't understand it. They don't understand it until after the, after the cross, Luke 24, where he opens their understanding. So, so when he says, when he's going to do this here, Paul isn't self-absorbed. Paul isn't self-centered. He's not glorying in himself. He's making, look there at verse 15. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more, what? Boldly unto you. He's making a, a, a very deliberate, distinctive statement here. If you look at verse 17, Paul says, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. He said, oh, he's just glorying in himself. That's not what that verse said. Where's his glory? In the things pertaining to the things of God. Okay? So the glory here. Paul says, I'm glorying. You remember what he says at the end of Galatians 6? Look over at Galatians 6. Galatians 6. <clears throat> you guys are in trouble today, just FYI. I had a good night's sleep. Okay? <laughs> Yesterday at the men's fellowship, the guys, I told I've been up like since 1 o'clock, something like couldn't sleep and all this. So we were, we were quick yesterday. We were only an hour and about 15 instead of the normal two. And, uh, but we got the Eagles won and the other team won. So we got to go to bed early. So anyway, Galatians 6, look at verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory... Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. That verse 15 is a bold statement. Because what did he just say? Everything prior to Acts 9 is off limits, guys. That's what he just said. That is, that's meaningless now. What's God doing? He's doing something else. But where does he glory? He glories in my gospel. He glories in the cross, see. So when you come back here to Romans 15, verse 17, think about this. He, Paul says, I glory, but where? In Christ Jesus, but in the things pertaining to God. 
He's, it's, it's amazing to me the fact that God, God the Holy Spirit wrote the book through Paul, but God, the Godhead, the Trinity, the triune Godhead says, Paul's our guy today. They are the ones that make a big deal out of the Apostle Paul. So who do you think thinks it's important that it's critical to understand who Paul is? Not just Rick, not just this guy. God himself thinks that Paul is very important. So much so that you you go through the event of Acts 15 where Paul goes and talks to Peter and the guys, lays it out for them. They get it. Galatians 2, we see Paul's account of that event. Why? It's, so for us, it's just as vital here to see that as Paul, again, is closing the book, he's making a, he's making a, a, a declarative statement about his uniqueness, his unique apostleship, because it's important to God that we understand the place that Paul has in human history. Verse 8, what was God doing in time past? The earthly ministry. What is he doing? Confirming the promises made to the fathers. That's the, the Adam, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the minister of who? The circumcision. Verse 16, what's he doing now? Now he's got a minister, Paul, and he's going to the Gentiles. Now, this is why we spent that time looking at, in verse 9, 10, 11, and 12 there, and 13, about what was going on with the Gentiles in the prophetic scripture. Gentile salvation has always been on the board since Adam, the very beginning. Okay, Sin polluted it, so God institutes plan A. He knows what, he knows sin, and he works down through the nation of it through Israel salvation was to flow to the gentiles that's when we did that sometimes i people you guys look at me like what are we doing this for well there's a reason because of what's coming see because now paul says that stuff back there in the prophetic scripture off limits we don't go there paul's communicating the fact that god is doing something different and he's doing it through the instrumentality of the Apostle Paul. So we need to be mindful here as Paul closes Romans that there's a reason why he's doing this. Look chapter 16, look at verse 17. So the first reason, if you if you're a one, two, three er, I I I you know, Bullinger's companion Bible, I love it because of the organization of it. But I could never be that organized. You know, he's got him going this way, then this way, and then this way. And it's like, holy cow. I, you know, I'm just sitting there at the awe of how he could figure all that out. But back then, they, they only worried about eating and not anything else, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you understand. Uh, anyway, 16, 17. I told you, I had a good night's sleep. Brain's on steroids. <laughs> flying right now. Okay? Linda's over there going, and I have had no, no coffee yet. Okay? 16, 17. Watch the warning here. Because Paul's going to warn the believer about a coming, the coming attack. Notice what he says. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. So what, have, what doctrine have we learned? Romans is his, it's not his first epistle written but it's the first epistle in the edification process, okay? So because of that, what did we learn? We're just learning foundational doctrine here. We're learning that Christ died for us. We were sinners. We needed a Savior. And it's by faith and faith alone. So what's the attack going to be on that? Well, you've got to do a little bit to help it out. You've got to walk the aisle. You've got to jump in the, in the, in the bathtub. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. Paul never says that. Romans 4, 5 is clear. It's just by faith, just trusting. So then we learn, okay, I'm dead. I'm, I have peace with God. I'm justified. Now I've got this identity that I can go live. But what does religion say? 
No, you got to continue to work to, to prove that you are saved. No, I'm sealed. I'm good to go. Nope, you got to work to demonstrate that you can stay saved. Wait a second. No, my identity, six, seven, Romans 6, 7, 8, is done. You see, you're learning these doctrines. Then in, in Romans 9, 10, and 11, we learn we don't replace Israel. We're not spiritual Israel. And yet again, what does religion say? You are, you do. Every time you read Israel, think body. I've heard them. No, you're not that. Then in chapter 12 to 16, where we're at, he says, hey, I beseech you, come and join what we're doing by the mercies of God. Come over here and present yourself this living sacrifice because there's a reasonable service. And that's what he's doing. He's been demonstrating out that reasonable service. He's been demonstrating out for us that will of God. You have, you're, uh, you're just learning. You have no clue what the will of God is. And Paul's demonstrating that out. Hey, when you interact with one another in the church, here's the, the motivation. Here's the attitude. Here's how you're to have. When you interact with the world out there in society, here's how you're going to. When you interact with the government, here's what you're going to think. So, you see, he's just late. And he says, you know what's coming, guys? There's going to be people, verse 17, who are going to walk contrary to that. And you know what you're to do? You're to put a big mark on them and avoid them. You know what avoidance is, don't you? You don't go to lunch. You don't go to breakfast. You don't have them over for Thanksgiving. Oh, but they're so sweet. No kidding. But we're, they're in the wrong. Well, that's right. It's not me. Who wrote the book? God, Paul's like, guys, here's a, here, he's warning. There's going to come a day that the church, the body of Christ, is going to fail to recognize the uniqueness of the Apostle Paul. And when they do that, and when they go follow bad theology, it's going to, well, verse 18. Trouble's coming, guys. Now, you think about this. We are in the foundational book. We're at the end of it. He's going to spend glorious time talking about, you know, Paul. Dad's got that little thing, that little book back there. Why Paul? Here we go. And the number one reason is, is there's an attack coming against his apostleship. If the church, the body of Christ, fails to recognize the significant role given to the apostle Paul, you will easily become the victim of bad theology. Period. Now, I'll be honest with you, I know a lot of preachers. Most of them that won't preach Paul are scared that they'll lose the offering box. I'll just say it like that. I'm not scared about that. Because the doctrine's design is to motivate you to do what needs to be done, regardless of the offering box. See? But the preacher, he's looking at that paycheck every month, two months, every other week, whatever. And he's like, well, if I, the Baptists, the Southern Baptist Convention, they are great with numbers. They love numbers. And it's been a long time since I've looked at them. But they would say that in a church, 10% of the men give, 10% of the family needs to give to pay for the building, support the building. Another 10% need to do that so we can pay the preacher. That means you got to have at least 20 families given 10%. I don't know many families that can do that on a consistent... See, we don't play the number game. The rooms... I, 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 last Sunday, I looked up, I'm like, oh my goodness, all the kids just everywhere. Why? That's, but that's not what we're doing here, see. There's, a pro, there's trouble on the horizon. Now, look at verse 18. i got to keep moving here. For they that are such... What? Cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine. Those that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own, what? Belly. There's the filthy lucre, say. There's the offering box. And, and by the way, let me just, it's not wrong to pay the preacher. That's not my point, because you guys pay me, okay? It's the proper motivation in that. It comes from the doctrine. Okay? Otherwise, I would have great ability 
to tell you how to live your life and to dictate. That verse in 2 Corinthians 1, we're going to look at it next hour. I don't have dominion over your faith. Dominion. Why? My goal is by faith ye stand. I'm to be a helper of your joy. Okay? So don't think it's wrong to pay the preacher. Please keep paying me. Okay? Please. I'll do whatever you want. Okay? Look at verse 18. Slow bellies. And by good words and fair speeches. There's the bad theology. There's Mr. Smiley on the Sunday morning TV. There's, you fill in the, your, the whatever. What a, fair speech is good words. Everything sounds good. He gets his nouns in the right places and his verbs in the right places. And not me, I make up words as I go. See? You see? So what are they going to do? They deceive the hearts of the... Simple. So if we abandon Paul's unique place, position in God's word, we're in danger of becoming a victim of good speeches, fair, good words, fair speeches, and being deceived. In 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and Galatians, he is constantly defending his apostleship. Why? What did, what did they say about Apollos? He's smooth, man. He's eloquent. He looks good. Prim. They look at Paul. We don't want that guy. He's ugly. U-G-L-Y. He's ugly. But, man, what he writes is heavy duty. We got that. But, man, just to look at him, he's rudimentary. Not rude and crude, but rude and just basic. Apollos gives us something new every Sunday. That's what Paul's warning. So we need to be mindful here as we get into this, what Paul's doing. He, we, he's, he's, defend, he's like, guys, you need to understand this, uh, my apostleship because there's a danger coming. But also, look at verse 14, 15, 14. And actually, this is one of the most wonderful parts here of the closing of the book that Paul does. Look at verse 14. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. We also need to understand that Paul is going to demonstrate here through his ministry that he has absolute confidence in the edification process contained in the Word. He's not at Rome. He has never been to Rome yet. He's going to get there. So what's preceded Paul? All his other epistles that he's written. He's writing Romans now, late Acts 20-ish, right in there. And yet, what does he say? I got confidence in you guys that you're full of goodness and filled with all the knowledge. All knowledge. You guys are good to go. I have confidence that I don't have to be there and the word will work. So in, def- in doing his unique, talking about his apostleship, he's literally looking at the Romans and saying, I got great confidence here, so I'm going to release you to the edification process. I'm going to release you to adulthood. <laughs> I'm gonna, I don't, and then he, and the, again, he's not, it's not about him. He didn't have to be there to bring them to what? Edification, to full knowledge, all knowledge, full of goodness, filled, filled. I love that, filled, controlled by, completely consumed with. By the way, well, anyway, we'll get there in just a second, okay? So what you're, what you're doing here is Paul... He's like, guys, trouble's coming, and the argument is going to be over who I am as the apostle. Again, the, the adversary attacks in two main, two main prongs. The message gets you out of right division, gets you out of dispensational Bible study, move you away. That doesn't work. He goes after the messenger. How do you do that? Discourage the messenger, get him to quit and shut up, or discredit him 
with the audience that he's trying to reach. What was, what was Paul? Paul's a jailbird. He goes, I'm in jail, but not as an evildoer. Could you imagine going to church that the jailbird's the preacher? What people say, what does that do? I don't really know if I want to go over there. That guy's a little nuts. He's throwing 80 verses at us an hour. I don't think I want that. He's nuts. See, what discredit. Did Paul break a law? Not at all. It cost him his life for preaching what? The resurrection of Christ. You go and look in Acts when he's standing before Agrippa and Felix and goes before Caesar. They're not arguing about him saying that the, that the Jews have been set aside and all that. They're arguing the fact that he says that Christ died for their sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. And he's the Savior. That's what, I mean, you get into it, that's what the Jews were after. That's why Felix would say, or Agrippa, one of them would say, you've almost persuaded me to be a Christian. <laughs> almost. The wife says, get rid of this guy. He's trouble. It's going to cost you your political career. Verse 14. Just notice this. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye, are, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, full of, filled, able to admonish. Now, when he says they're full of all knowledge, he is not saying that they now possess all the information. Because obviously, he's got more to reveal, doesn't he? They're full of all what knowledge? The knowledge in the book of Romans. The knowledge in the, in, in, in the, the book of, of uh, uh, the information that has been revealed to this point. Think about Romans. In Romans, we see God's grace. Okay? We see his capacity to provide fully and freely all the things that man needs spiritually. Okay? What about Ephesians, the next book of, a, of doctrine? That's grace on steroids. Why? Because he says, okay, you got grace. Now let's go talk about the exceeding riches of his grace. That's next level up. That doesn't show up till a little later in the process of edification. See? So when Paul says filled with knowledge, he's not talking. They're operating to the fullest degree of the information that they have in that moment. Now think about where Romans sits. As a new believer, as coming into understanding dispensational, rightly dividing the word, you come into it, where do you start? You start in Romans. And what does he do? Here's your justification. Nailed. Bam. Here's your Walk, your identity, bam. Here's who you are a part of. Here's your jobs and how you're to act. And so now what can I do? Now I can get going. That's the doctrine, 2 uh, uh, Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by God and is profitable for what? Doctrine. Then he says what? Reproof. All right, well, as soon as you start living how you're supposed to live, you tend to fall off a little bit. You tend to fall down the stairs and bump your toe. Okay, so now what do I do? Well, first and second Corinthians, let's fix that behavior. Well, then you keep going along there and all of a sudden somebody somewhere along the line is going to say, you got to do, you got to keep the Ten Commandments. I had a guy ask me, tell me that one time on the job when I was working in the produce department for Bashes, and I said, really? I said, do you even know where the Ten Commandments are in Scripture? And he's like, well, uh, no, but I know they're there. I saw the movie. Ah, okay. Well, so we went to Exodus 20, and I showed him. And he's like, I didn't know it said all that. God, yeah, that's because Charlton didn't tell you all that. See? So, what, but what ha so now we've got to have a legalistic lifestyle, even though we are saved by grace. Now we're going to fix the bad doctrine. The next level of doctrine, the next book is Ephesians. And Ephesians comes in and he says, okay, you see who you are individually? Here's who you are corporately now. And he blows that and he gives the big overview. Ephesians 3 there, he's talking about comprehending what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know 
I mean, here it is. Here's the big plan. So Paul is, look, they're full of the knowledge. They're in that, you know, come over to Ephesians 3. I'd say all that. I'm going to show you. Looking at me like he needs not to eat another donut this morning. You see, Paul is, when he looks at the Romans, he understands that the Romans don't need him to be there in their presence for them to grow and to be edified. What do they need? They need the Word of God. The Word of God effectually worketh in you that believe. And Paul is okay with that. Paul says, better that, man. I'm going on. That's why, By the way, that's why down in, later in Romans 15, he'll say, I have no other places in this area to teach. I'm headed to you. We're going to go to, on our way to Spain. I mean, he's got long-range goals, plans. I'm going to Spain, and on the way, we're going to... Now, we know how he got to Rome, right, in handcuffs, okay? But he got there. So... That's what Paul's doing. The edification process is designed to work without any human author, writer. It's designed to work where? In your inner man, coming right here. And again, Paul is not upset about this at all. He's confident that the Word of God, working independent of him, that it'll work in them. Therefore, it works where? in us. Now that doesn't mean don't come to church and don't come see Rick because Rick needs you. Because why? I'm as human as you are and I, I like the interaction. I love my wife, but some other interaction sometimes pretty good. Okay? But see, the thing is, what do you We come together. We gather together. Paul's okay with that. He's like, I, I understand that. Look at, look at Ephesians 3. Look at verse 19. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Think about that. Paul says you need to be full up of God. You need to go over there to the pump, and you need to fill full of who? God. The knowledge of Him. What's He doing today? That's verse 18. Able to, may be able to comprehend. By the way, notice, with all saints, there's a local church. What is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of God which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. God wants to fill up the believer with that extreme magnitude of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you come back to Romans 15, you know what Paul says? You're there. You've got the light that I've given to you. You're ready to go. You don't have Ephesians yet. They don't have that yet. That's coming. So he's not, in verse 14, he's not saying, you got it all, so there's no more coming. No, I, you've gotten what's been revealed. Next, next is coming. Come back to Romans 15. And by the way, if you look at verse 29, 15-29, he says, I am sure, I'm sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Paul knows what? More's coming. See, You don't have it all. You're filled with all the knowledge. All knowledge of what? The book of Romans. Foundational information. But when I come to you, I'm coming with what? With the rest of it. I'm bringing more for you. Verse 14. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Paul, I know the doctrine will work. I know the edification process will work. I know that it will cause you to be filled up, you'll grow you up, build you up, so that you're able to admonish one another. The great act of love here. And he does that. And he's demonstrating the confidence that Paul has here, okay? So, first of all, Paul's going to talk about his unique apostleship so that we understand that warning of that potential fair, uh, good words and fair speeches will deceive us out. 
So if you leave Paul, vacate Paul, what's going to happen to you? Apostasy is coming your way. 2 Timothy is clear of that. The reason apostasy sets into the church, the body of Christ, in the days of Paul, he says, right now it's happening, Timothy. And what you're seeing is going to happen all through church history. 2 Timothy is a great church history book. Here's what's coming. Happy, happy, happy. Joy, joy, joy. Men are going to wax worse and worse. But what do you do but continue thou in the things that thou hast learned and of whom thou hast learned them from? You continue. Number two, the second reason he's going to get into his apostleship is to demonstrate that God's word and the edification design of the believer comes off of a very specific foundation. It comes very specific. Verse 20, Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, now watch, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. You see, there's other foundations out there. Now, by the way, I know what guys do. They take this and say, see, Paul in Galatians, Paul didn't go up here and do that. That's something different from what Paul, the context. The context is Paul talking about his apostleship. The context says, you're going to grow off of my, the foundation that I've laid. 1 Corinthians 3, I'm the master builder. I've laid this foundation. You're not going to grow off another man's foundation. Now, who would be another man? How about verse 8? The earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. How about Peter and the boys in Acts 1 to 8? See? So what Paul's going to do here is he's going to lay in that the things prior to me, Acts 9, are off limits. We don't go there. You with me? Now that's why 15.4 is so key to get. What's 15.4 say? For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our what? Learning, not obedience. What can we do? We can go back in the prophetic scriptures, and what can we do? We can dig out everything, can't we? We can understand that. We, I, we teach the God. We teach. We're a Mark on Wednesday night. Sunday nights we just started Luke. When we get done with Mark, we're going to go back and look at the minor prophets and the major. We're going to go what to do? What not for obedience? If I pulled Malachi three out on you and said, "Fill up the box, or you ain't getting blessed." See, wait, that's not for you and I. See, that's for who? That's for the house of Israel and the house of Judah. By the way, the verses are very clear. If I stood here and said, you need to bring in the new covenant in your life, and God's going to bless you. Wait a second. The new covenant is made with who? The house of Israel, the house of of Judah. By the way, that tells you it violates Ephesians 1.3. Follow Jeremiah 31, if you say Jeremiah 31 is you, it violates Ephesians 1.3, which says you're blessed with what? All spiritual blessings. you got them all. So you see how you can contradict? You're, you're going to be edified on one foundation, Paul. And again, the pri- stuff prior, back in the prophetic program, prior to, isn't going to get the job done, guys. That's off limits for our obedience. Learn it, know it. Listen, folks, nobody should know more about the earthly ministry than you and I because he's our Savior. He's he's Israel's Messiah, yes, but he's our Savior. And when Paul in Philippians 3, uh, I'm sorry, Philippians 2, no, Philippians 3, when he says, I want to know the power, I want to know him more and more and more, He's, not, he's talking about knowing everything there is to know. You ought to know all of the prophecies that he fulfilled. Again, not for your obedience to go, you know, WWJD. But let's go, hey, look at what he did for them, and look at what he's doing for us today. And you know what? He is a God to be glorified. He's a God to be admired. He's a God to be praised, blessed, speak well of. Why? Because look at what he did. Not because I'm trying to get something. I already got it. You follow that? That's that's what Paul's after here. He's not sitting here going, well, you know what? You can't do anything unless I'm there. He says, no, I'm the the, uh, 1514. 
I'm the apostle here. I'm going to release you to the edification process, and you need to remember, guys, that you're not going to find this in another gospel or another Jesus, Galatians 1. See, you're only going to find it right here with me. Why? Because what is God doing today? He's doing, he, I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. You see what's happening here? As he's ending this book, he's like, man, you got, all, you got four tiers of doctrine laid out here. You got all of these chapters, 15 and a half chapters of doctrine. Where did you get it from? You got it from me. All right, verse 14. Able also to admonish one another. Admonish, not rebuking. Okay? They don't mean the same. You know how you know? They're not the same words. You know how they're spelled different. Okay? To rebuke someone. It's, it's, it's after the fact. It's after the problem has occurred. You come in and you rebuke them. In Corinthians, Paul will rebuke the Corinthians. In the first six chapters, Paul himself rebukes the Corinthians on their activity. Then in chapter 7, he says, Now concerning the things you wrote unto me. And he nails them on their questions. But it's after the facts. But admonishing... Is, a, is an issue of warning about if you do that, then this is, might be what happens. So there's a warning about the consequences of continuing down a, a, the wrong path, if you will. So admonishing is prior to the problem. We don't want to do that. Ad, it's a warning. It, 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 real quick, one verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. So he's like, guys, you're able, I'm comfortable. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14. I am comfortable to let the, you guys, the Romans, the believer, go and operate and function in the knowledge that they've learned, the doctrines learned, and they're able out of love to warn each other and to make sure we're all on the same track. 1 Corinthians 4.14, Paul says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. That's the issue of admonishing. I'm warning you. If you continue this way, if I'm warning you, if you build up in your life the gospel doctrines and the gospel, you're, you're not going to function properly as who you're supposed to in Romans 6, 7, and 8, okay? So go back to chapter 15. So again, Paul, he's going to talk about his unique apostleship. He's not patting himself on the back. He's not glorifying himself. He doesn't have an ego. I don't even have an ego anymore. I used to, but it, you beat it out of me. <laughs> I, you don't. Why? Because you know what quickly happens? You quickly understand as you learn and go along that you know who's in charge of the body? He is, not me. Take some... You know, learning to do that. So what do you do? Paul, I'm comfortable to let you go to the edification. Verse 15. Nevertheless, brethren, I love that. <laughs> okay, this is, I'm comfortable. But, well, we need about 30 verses here now to talk to you about this, okay? You know, people, why do you keep, why do you go? Well, because you're thick-headed, like I'm thick-headed. So what? I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. Okay, I got to remind you. I got to put I got to speak boldly here. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind, putting you in mind. Remember, I'm going to remind you here, guys. Now, if he has to tell them that he's going to remind them, put them in mind, then what is our tendency to do? Forget. It's our tendency, isn't it? to go along, get, get going in life, and things just cloud in, and we tend to forget. The, the circumstances weigh us down, and we get going, and we quit thinking properly, and we tend to you know, end up back in Malachi, trying to do something. He goes, no, I'm going to remember. Remember the, found, the fundamental truth about my apostleship. Don't be victimized by the, fair, the good words and fair speeches. Pay attention here with what's going on. 
Because when the good words and the fair speeches come, I don't want you to be victimized by it. Don't be discouraged by it. Don't think of me as something, someone I'm not. I want you to be right here. And again, who is Paul? He's God's guy. See? And why does, care, why does God care so much about Paul? Because he's the apostle to the Gentiles. That's who he is. So he's going to put in mind, remember, don't get hung up on bad, uh, on, don't get hung up on good words and fair speeches. Good preaching, but bad doctrine. Don't get there. Stay out of that. So he says, nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more, I love this, boldly. It is a bold statement to say, verse 8. You know that? That Jesus Christ was a minister of who? The circumcision. It is a very bold statement to say what Paul says in Galatians, that circumcision availeth nothing and uncircumcision availeth nothing. What counts with God today? The new creature. You say that. By the way, only really Paul could say that because he was in both camps. But you make that statement, and you know what you better be doing? You better be ducking for cover because look at all. He just makes a statement here about that just takes everything prior to Acts 9 and says, no. You can learn about it, but you're not to obey it. All of that stuff in prophecy back there, today he's not doing. You know what he's doing today? The ministry and message he gave to me as the apostle. You make that statement, you make it to family. So now we don't talk about politics and religion. We don't talk about dispensational stuff. We get specific now at the family gathering. Do that with friends. You real quickly have limited to no friends. <laughs> Why? Because you're saying, look at, look at what he's saying. Everything prior back there. No. Yeah, but Rick, it's so wonderful. I didn't say it wasn't wonderful. It's just not for you and I. The Paul talking about his apostleship and the deception and, and being deceived by being dragged back into time past. That's a bold statement. That's what he's saying here. He's not saying bold as in digging in his heels and I'm going to be bold for the Lord. No, he says, look, what God's doing today, everything prior to Acts 9 is off limits for your obedience. Learn about it. Study it. Why? It's God's Word. That's why in 2 Timothy 2.15, rightly dividing the word of truth. We're not dividing error from truth. We're taking the truth of God's Word and we're putting it, well, on a timeline, putting it where it belongs. Why? So I can understand what's coming my way. That's what Paul's doing here. Come over to 1 Corinthians 15. You see, folks, when Paul, again, in the end here, he's, he's talking to believers that understand his apostleship, and he's warning them, don't, you know, stick with it here. Uh, Romans 15, verse 15, just real quick. Boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. What, what grace did God give to Paul? See, you got to think about that. What's Paul doing? 15, 15, Romans 15. I know I, you need 1 Corinthians 15. But Romans 15, 15, what's he doing here? When he says the grace, he's not talking about the message, the grace. 15, 15, because of the grace that is given to me of God. God gave Paul grace. Okay? I'm reminding you guys, Romans 1, I'm reminding you, I'm putting it in front of you, and I'm doing it with some bold statements 
You get into Romans 9, 10, and 11 with the religionist crowds, and you, you, especially those that think that the body replaces Israel. You're in, you, you better, you're going to go in there, you better have both guns loaded and ammo on the backpack because it's coming. Because what are you doing? You're ruffling the feathers. You're rubbing the cat's fur the wrong way. But then Paul says, but you need to remember, guys, also the grace that was given to me. Because what did God have to do to allow Paul to make Paul an apostle? Romans 5, or 1 Corinthians 15.8. 15.8. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Wow. Born a violent birth. You think about it. Born out of due time. Stillborn. Not right. Something's wrong here. It's not in the normal course of the last 2,000 years of history up to Acts 9. Something's wrong here. What's going What has happened here? Something's up here. Paul says, he gives the, 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 the infallible proofs there in verse four or verse five, six, seven, and eight. And, and eight he says, and last of all, he was seen of me as one what? Born violently, out of due time, not in the right order, not in the right place. A miscarriage, a, a stillbirth, a, an aborted birth, something dastardly here. What's ooh, just not normal. I mean, this is not just, oh, born out of due time. Woohoo. No, this is striking. It's, it's a punch in the gut here in Scripture. Verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles and am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of Christ, the, the, the church of God. You know what Paul just did? He disqualified himself to being the 12th apostle. So when you hear the Yahoos say that Matt, Peter didn't pick, he was wrong in picking Matthias, no, he was right in doing that because Paul just said when that was, program was going on, I couldn't be. Remember in 1 Timothy, I'm a blasphemer and I persecuted the church. He's like, I couldn't, I was standing there holding the certificates, nailing the little flock hauling them off to jail, killing them. That's why the violence of that, literally God had to kill Paul's relationship to his past, to the Jews' religion. He had to kill it. He had to go in there and just cut. Matthew 12, the Lord says, you blaspheme me, don't worry about it. You blaspheme the Father, don't worry about it. But man, if you blaspheme the Spirit, you'll never see eternal life. Woo. What does Stephen do? He's a man full of the Holy Ghost. Stands there in picture of the Holy Spirit. Who's standing there giving the thumbs up? Acts 8, when they say Saul was consenting to his death. They've got Stephen outside, Acts 7 there, outside of the city limits, ready to throw the first brick. And they look over at, at Saul, the man from the chief priest and, and the representative of the leadership of Israel. And he goes... And they stone, the tar they stone him to death. Stephen looks up and sees the Lord, sees the, the armies of heaven, the glory of God, ready to come back in wrath. The Lord standing to come back and wage the judgment, Isaiah 2 and 3. Stephen looks and says, Lord, don't hold this to their account. Too late! They're uncircumcised in hearts and ears, they're heathen. And it's time to pour out the wrath. And who was the guy going, Nalem? He didn't do this. He did this. He was consenting to the death. And then in Acts 9, on that road, what, the Lord reaches down and he says, Who are you, Lord? <laughs> Please don't say Jesus of Nazareth. You know that's what's going through his mind. And he says, I am who? I am Jesus. And you read the account in Acts 26, and he pulls him up, and you see the justification of, the, of Saul of Tarsus underneath the issues of grace and mercy. And then you see the commissioning of Paul. And as he goes out now, 
And what's he preaching, Acts 26? I'm going to preach the forgiveness of sins to this, to everybody now. So the grace, uh, 1510. Sorry, I got the preaching there instead of teaching. 1510. Verse 9, for I am the least of the apostles, then I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am. What is he? He's the least of the apostles, verse 9. See that? How did he get there? By the grace of God. What should have happened in the prophetic program? God should have poured out his wrath. Judgment Day, Day of the Lord, Second Coming, boom, it's here, 70th wake, let's get on with it. But he didn't. He interrupted that program. Israel falls in Acts 7. In Acts 9, the Lord institutes that new dispensation of grace. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So back here in Romans 15, go back to Romans 15 on your way, go to Ephesians 3. See, folks, when Paul is talking about his apostleship, he is not bragging. There's no brag in any of this. Why? Because he doesn't, he knows he's unworthy. He knows he's the chief of sinners. He knows he's the leader of the rebellion against that way, as it's called in Acts. He knows that. He knows that if it wasn't for God's grace on the road to Damascus, there would never be. That's why in Romans 9 and 10 and 11, you hear the, the heartache of Paul when he says, my heart's desire for them is to be saved. Why? Because I help put them in that position of being vessels of dishonor. I help do that. Ephesians 3 verse 7 Paul says, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. That isn't the message. That's literally God's grace to Paul on the road to Damascus. Given un, uh, by the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given. That, why? Why did he do this that I should preach among the Gentiles? The known riches of Christ. No, the what? The unsearchable riches of Christ. Everything prior to nine. You go back in there and you can see the riches that God's going to have through Israel to the earth, but you never see any riches going from God directly to the Gentile. Matthew 10, he says, don't even go down there to them dudes. Ignore them. Leave them. Go the other way. I'm sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Mark 9, I'm sorry, Romans 9, Paul says, he who, who, who came, he came in the flesh for his people, his nation. And then Paul now says, there's a mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Everything prior to 9, Acts 9, no unsearchable riches ever given to the Gentile, outside of the nation of Israel. You understand that. Go back to Romans 15. Remember Rahab, the harlot? She's really not a harlot in the text. She's a businesswoman, a seller of flax, silks and stuff. Those two witnesses shows up. You know what she says? We heard about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we're going to claim the Abrahamic covenant on you, baby. And I'm going to bless you, so you're going to what? Bless me. Where did the blessing come through? the nation of Israel, as they, as they came up on that city of Jericho and tore the walls down. Could you imagine a city weighed laced to nothing but rubble and dust under the feet, and there sits one house, and out, comes that, out of that house comes that little lady who believes in the, Abraham, uh, 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 the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who claimed the Abrahamic covenant, whose mom and dad and brothers came in. Could you imagine being her sisters that did not go to that house of ill repute down there? We will not go to her house because she's a harlot, and we are ready you know, to pull that pride. And you know where they are? They're burning in hell. Well, that's real Broderick. Well, you know why I know they're in hell? Because they didn't come and do what the Abrahamic covenant said for them to do. Paul says all of that, great learning. Understand it. 
See it. You take that Old Testament, you see the veracity, you see the integrity, you see the character of God. Here he is. He said it. He's going to do it. He wrote it down. He's going to do it. You can take that to the bank. You can mortgage the house on it. Paul says, Romans 15, Paul says, you need to remember who, who you remember and remember what's going on, 1515. And you need to remember that it starts with the guy that had to get grace from God, just like you had to get grace from God. I'm not, I'm, Paul is no more special than you and I outside of the fact that he held an office of an apostle of the Gentiles to the, the apostle. Let's get it right. See. But that was given to him by the risen, ascended, seated on high, far above heavenly Lord Jesus Christ. You and I, we are made members of that. Okay? Now, it's time to quit. So we didn't get very far. But it's critical here. This is critical stuff. Why? Because there's an attack coming. By the way, we'll get down in verse 19 and 20. We'll see the signs because there was things that were going on in the early days. And we'll understand that. Okay? Don't get dismayed. Paul's reminding us. Our dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your son. We thank you for Paul and, and the work that you did through him, the writing of the books, so that we have it today, and that we can rejoice in that, and we can learn from it and grow in it, and we can give you the honor and the glory for that. In your name we pray, amen.